everybody, this is Joel Junker, and thank you for uh, joining us for another episode of the Cameron Brooks Podcast, Above and Beyond. In this episode, I interview Cameron Brooks alumnus, uh, Rob Swanson, who made the transition through Cameron Brooks in 2016 to the Michelin Global Leadership Program. Rob is a history major from West Point in 2009, served seven years as an Army aviator. Rob uh, shares some of his preparation hacks, his experience with the, tra- the, the transition, as well as what he does in the roles that he's had in the Michelin Leadership Program. I hope you enjoy the episode. Rob, it's Joel. Welcome to the uh, the Karen Brooks Show. We're excited to have you uh, as a guest. and. Um, Glad you're here. And, and what I'd like to do when we start off uh, the, any episode is just tell tell our listeners a little bit about you. Well, Joel, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, it's always good to to talk to the the Cameron Brooks team. Um, I, I said this when I left and and finished my career conference. It definitely has a family feel. So it feels like a little bit of a family reunion here about two years later. Um, so a little bit about my transition story. Um, I am a 2009 graduate of the United States Military Academy. Uh, I was a history major, and uh, I branched aviation. Um, I spent time as a platoon leader, uh, logistics uh, battalion logistics officer. I spent time uh, as an assistant operations officer at the battalion and brigade levels, um, and then I commanded an aviation maintenance company to finish my time. Uh, I was stationed in Germany. Obviously, as an aviator, spent a lot of time at Fort Rucker, and then I finished up at Fort Hood, Texas, uh, and I transitioned out of the Army back in December of 2016. Um, in, you know, in that transition, I'd like just to stay for there for a second. Um, on your transition, how did you, what were all the different ways that you considered making the transition? Recruiting firms, um, you that was one obviously and there's multiple options there could have been like a service academy career conference or maybe going out on your on your own tell me your tell the listeners or if you tell what was your thought process on getting to the karen brooks um as an opportunity to help you make the transition i first started out trying to figure out what i wanted to do um, whether I wanted to either go back to school first um, or go into the, the workforce right away. And I decided that uh, I wanted to strike while the iron was hot and capitalize on all the skills that I had learned in the Army. Um, and I decided that going back to work and, and marketing myself as a, an available manager um, was going to be the best option for me. Um, and then when I looked at Service Academy Career Conference versus uh, a transition firm versus striking out on my own. I knew that I needed help, so that kind of took striking it out on my own off the table. Um, and then I just talked to a few people who had made the transition before me and what they had recommended. Um, and I went to uh, a Cameron Brooks information session um, about 10 months before I transitioned. Um, and I was really impressed uh, with the plan and the way they laid things out. Um, and I decided to sign up for a, a personal marketability assessment. I think that's what you guys call them. Uh, yeah. I was fortunate enough to be be accepted into the program. Um, and that really, really set me up for success because it really helped. Uh, it helped me figure out what skills I had developed and what was translatable uh, to the business world instead of me just trying to, again, go out there on my own through uh, a service academy career conference or 
any of the other recruiters that are, are more focused on volume. Uh, and we're going to come back and cause we talked before we launched the episode about some of the things that you'd like to share, but I, you were just talk, um, we're going to come back and have you talk a little bit about the Cameron Brooks process and um, for you, the trust and things like that, uh, that were um, a part of that um, decision-making and some things that you, uh, you learned and want to share with the listeners. We'll come back to that, but why don't you, before we get in, tell the listeners what you do at Michelin. So currently I'm in our uh, global leadership program. Uh, it's a rotational development program uh, geared towards transitioning military officers and MBA graduates. Uh, and there are two paths in GLP. One of them is the commercial side of the business, which is sales and marketing focused. Um, the, the side that I am in is the opposite side is the industrial management side. Um, and that's focused on developing leaders uh, to go into our manufacturing facilities and uh, kind of achieve our, our key performance indicators um, and what the, the goal for that is to develop through some frontline leadership within a plant, some uh, industrial engineering, Six Sigma type work, some supply chain work, a little bit of sales exposure um, to go back in and have a, a well-rounded perspective so that uh, when we're making decisions in the plant that affect the business, we actually understand what we're doing and uh, hopefully put us on a trajectory for success to move uh, move up and advance through the ranks of industrial management. Um, you know, it's in the beginning of the year, I talked uh, a little bit about um, in a podcast with Pete uh, about there are a lot of companies that are doing these rotational programs, but they're really designed more to like rotate people around to see where they fit. Um, and they're not doing real, real work. They're more of like this. It's more of like exposure rotation with some project work. It's so at the end of the rotation. Um, they end up getting a, a, a position that the company has now found that is the right fit for them. So essentially what they're doing is instead of trying to figure out in the interview process where the best fit is, what we're going to do is we think you're good. You got the development characteristics. We're going to hire you, rotate you around and then see what, what role you go into. Michelin sounds quite a bit different than that. Like you had a real position that you went into with real responsibility, metrics, and there's a defined plan at the end of this rotation program. Can you talk through that a little bit? Sure. Um, the, the big thing for me um, in the industrial side was going in and actually fulfilling the role of what we call a business unit leader, which is a, a frontline production supervisor. Um, think of kind of like a platoon leader level of responsibility. Um, and I was, I was in the seat. I was uh, running all of our daily meetings. I was responsible for the deliverables for my business unit. Um, and that gives people in the program, and particularly me, a really good sense of ownership. Um, and I think, you, I, at least I learned better by doing um, and when it was my name on the line being responsible for all those things, I, the onus was on me to go in and learn it and figure out exactly what I had to do to make sure my business unit was successful. Um, I think some of those other programs that you're talking about that just have you in kind of an observer role, the, the military officer or the, the new hire doesn't necessarily get that same sense of ownership, and I don't think they're going to get as much out of 
actually being in the role, having the, the rose pinned on them, to use a cliche, um, and letting you know that you're, at the end of the day, you're responsible. Um, it might only be for a short time, but uh, to whom much is given, much is expected. And in this program, uh, they're, they're very selective, and um, they're looking for people who are going to jump in, you know, both feet, just jump straight in the pool and, and sink or swim. And so at the end of this, when does your, your, when does the leadership program complete and where do, where do you expect to go? The, the guideline is they shoot for 24 months, but as I've come kind of to the end in the twilight of the program, uh, a lot of it depends on availability of permanent positions in industry. Um, and that's one thing that I'm working on right now is working with my manager to try to find a good fit for me in industry in an appropriate level role. And that the level of that role is going to be very similar to uh, a company commander uh, in the military. Um, I will be a, a manager of managers uh, responsible for everything that my, my shop does or fails to do. Um, and then I'll have somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, four to seven or eight direct reports, some of them being managers of our hourly population, some of them being technical specialists, whether that's a maintenance specialist or a quality specialist or a safety specialist, those sorts of things. And then those direct reports have direct reports as well. So it's you know, roughly how many people are going to be underneath your, your, your unit, if you would, hundreds? Uh, a small shop would be about 100, 125. A larger shop is upwards of 250. And, and when you say industry, you mean within Michelin, one of the operations, whether it be the truck tire or the, the yes. automotive tire or something like that. Okay. Um, very interesting. And you also mentioned at the beginning before we went live on this that you like the industrial management or the industrial engineering side. That's like the process improvement type of work. Is that correct? Yes. So my time as an industrial engineer, I was, uh, the, we call them industrial progress engineers, but they're, they're continuous process improvement people. Um, that's the, the green belt certification. They're the ones going out and looking for waste and trying to uh, reduce or eliminate it to make us more efficient, more cost effective, all that. Uh, and it, um, have you had the opportunity to pursue certifications or anything that, that relate to like lean or Six Sigma? Uh, yes, part of the, at least currently, I know they're, they're constantly revamping the training to make it most effective and most, uh, get the most bang for our buck for the business. Um, but part of my training was going through and conducting a project and I was actually fortunate enough to get a, a Lean Six Sigma Greenbelt certification from North Carolina State University. And speaking of certifications, I looked up your LinkedIn profile. We didn't chat about this before we started, but have you started your MBA as well? I did. Uh, I actually just started in January. Uh, I'm actually doing it uh, at the University of South Carolina. Uh, they have what's called the professional MBA, which is their version of what most people would know as an executive MBA. Um, so my classes are one night a week for three hours. Um, and then I have another class that I'm taking right now that meets uh, three Saturdays over 14 weeks. Um, and for each one of those classes, there's weekly they call them asynchronous modules, so video lectures and readings that I'm responsible for doing. Um, and then obviously coming into class, I have certain deliverables that I have to be responsible for for each class. Now, are you driving over to Columbia for 
for those classes? Um, no, that was one of the biggest things that attracted me to, to USC was they actually have a classroom. I live in Greenville, South Carolina, and they have a classroom downtown. Um, it's just a little space that they rent uh, on the first floor of an office building down there. So uh, my Saturday classes, I have to go to Columbia for the day. Um, but my weeknight classes, I'm fortunate enough, I can just drive 20 minutes to downtown Greenville, and they have a, uh, a really great teleconference. Um, so I see the professor on one big screen TV and then his his computer screen, whether it's a PowerPoint presentation, Excel file, Word document on the other screen. Um, and then there's cameras and microphones in those rooms. So if we have questions, um, the camera will actually zoom in on our face. Um, and that professor who's in Columbia is actually teaching to seven different remote sites all at the same time. And we can see all the other students. So it's it's the wonders of modern technology that makes us all feel like we're in one big classroom. And how come you didn't get your MBA straight out of the Army? And, or why did, why did you just go get your MBA right out of the Army versus going to work in Michelin first or doing the transition through Cameron Brooks first? I kind of alluded to it earlier, but I wanted to strike while the iron was hot. Um, and what I mean by that is, Coming out of the military, I was coming out of a leadership role. I was basically transitioning straight from company command to being a civilian. And I wanted to take that leadership experience that I had gained when it was fresh in my mind and what I knew I would be the most marketable um, and try to get in with a company and get my feet on the ground, get some business experience. Because like I said, I was a history major. I didn't really know anything about business. What the what little I did learn came from the the development preparation program from Cameron Brooks. But I wanted to get my feet on the ground and have at least a fundamental understanding of what businesses do and how they operate before I went back and tried to get an academic degree in business. What do you think the the positives are of now that you're getting the MBA and you're working? What are the positives of getting the MBA while working, and what are the drawbacks or negatives or in other words what would be the reasons to get your MBA before you get out uh, I'll start with the positives um, the program that I'm in is uh, very heavily experiential learning based so many of our conversations are about what particular students see in their day-to-day -day work lives um, I know one class I'm taking right now is about organizational behavior and I would say 90% of our conversation is uh, tell me about a time when you saw this concept play out in your work life. So it, it, it's okay to have that military context, but when you have a, a business context, I feel like I can contribute a lot more to the classroom and more people will be able to understand what I'm talking about than if I just use military examples for everything. Um, so that that's big. Um, and then obviously being able to network and networking in any MBA program, no matter whether it's full-time, before you leave the military, after you leave the military, part-time, it doesn't matter. The, the networking is going to be great. Um, but being able to network with people who are established in business already and not relying on whether it's a, a conference or an internship, um, the, I feel the networking opportunities in this the part-time program are, are greater than they would be in some of the full-time programs out there. Um, and then some of the, the definite drawbacks are the time commitment um, you know that it's three three hours a night every week plus homework uh, that I don't get to spend with my family so that's 
that's tough, but um, I think it's worth it. Um, and I guess another positive that I should mention, I, I keep jumping back and forth, but another positive is definitely uh, uh, the cost. Obviously, it's, it's much less expensive to do something part-time than it is to do something full-time. And I'm very fortunate sure. that Michelin has a, a tuition reimbursement plan as well. So that's just part of my benefits at work. And a lot of companies do. Um, so getting in with a company, establishing yourself, and if they see you as someone who would benefit from an MBA, very likely to sign off on that tuition reimbursement if it's something that the company offers. How, so how's that working? Because you got some of the post-9-11 GI Bill as well. Correct. Um, so the 9-11 GI Bill pays uh, whatever percentage that you were eligible. I earned 90%. So the GI Bill pays 90% of my tuition plus BEH and book stipend. And then I pay out of pocket for the remaining 10%. And then once I get my grades for classes, um, I'm required to maintain a B average or above. And I just submit those grades along with an itemized bill uh, back to my HR department. And then that gets added to my paycheck for whatever amount that I paid out of pocket. Pretty neat. That's pretty neat. Definitely I a, nice a lot of questions. Yeah, I get asked a lot of questions. Do companies um you know still um provide uh, mba benefits and by and large majority of them do um have an educational assistance benefit along the way yes and um, i'm very fortunate i work for a large company um and they a large company that strongly believes in individual development so they're very, very supportive if people want to go back to school. I just had to have a conversation with my manager about what I wanted, and we have a list of approved schools. And obviously, with our huge South Carolina presence, USC was on there. So that it made it almost a no-brainer for me to go back and get it. That's really good. So one of the – thank you for sharing. I've just got a lot of questions about MBA, so hopefully that helps some people um, as they ask, you know, think through how this will work in business. Um, I want to jump into something that you talked about that you said you definitely wanted to share with listeners, and that's the importance of preparation. Can you elaborate on that? Sure. Um, I, If you join the Cameron Brooks Development Preparation Program, you're going to meet people who have been in the program for years. Um, I know I listened to one of the podcasts. I think it was Josh, Josh Hollow, who was in the program for like five years. Yeah. Um, right. I was only in it for 10 months. Um, so I was kind of on the lower end of the spectrum and you'll see anything three months and, and again, upwards as high as a couple of years, but taking the time to go through the entire development preparation program and it's very systematic. And I didn't really understand it when I first started. I thought, why am I, I doing all these self-assessments? I, I think I know myself pretty well. Um, but going through and doing all the exercises, reading all the books, it really helps set the stage and it gives you a framework for what you need to be able to talk about when you go to a career conference and interview with companies. Um, being able to understand who you are as a person, who you are as a leader, what strengths and weaknesses you have, those are all things that companies are going to want to talk about. Um, and unless you dedicate the time and effort uh, to going in and preparing yourself, you're you're not going to be well-spoken. You're not going to be well-versed. Um, 
you can go in and memorize some things ahead of time, but then you're going to sound robotic. And I've actually come back to a career conference and hired um, for Michelin. And it, it's very easy to tell, having been on the other side of the table, who is prepared and who is not. Yeah, because you've been back and interviewing and things like that and talked yeah. to people. What what would you say is the most critical thing of the Cameron Brooks preparation program? Um, is it reading, practicing your interview answers, uh, working in a study group? Any of the what are the what are the most important things? Uh, I think it depends. Um, if you are someone who's got a business degree, a business background, who has done a lot of reading on your own already, the reading is definitely important because those books are kind of they're they're building blocks. They're things that you're going to run across no matter what industry you end up working in. Um, for me in particular, it was practicing the interview answers. Uh, if you haven't been able to tell so far from the podcast, I have a tendency to get long-winded. Um, and that was one thing that my wife really helped me on was, you know, you've got two to three minutes to be able to tell a story about a significant accomplishment or about a process methodology, um, and you have to be concise, and you have to be able to convey what you did in a military context, but also be able to explain the translatable ten or translatable competencies that businesses are actually looking for. Yeah, I don't think you've been rambling on this at all. Is anyway, so I think you've been doing a fantastic job. Did did I give you that feedback when you were practicing or at the uh, when you were making the transition? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you seem to be doing great now. Um, it, it has come the, with a lot of practice. I promise you that. I think maybe there's a lesson there that you learn more than just about getting launching a great career. You learn some great things about communication through the camera. Brooks Absolutely, as well. Um, all right. So the last thing you wanted to talk about is trust the camera Brooks process. Uh, what did you mean by that when you shared that with me and wanted to share with the uh, the others that were um, the others that would be, could be listening to this? This is one thing that I get uh, a lot. Uh, I'm in the network of of email lists or, or email contacts that if Cameron Brooks has any potential partners that they can reach out to me um, with questions. And this is one that I get a lot is, um, how did you know that Cameron Brooks is going to be good for you? Or they don't tell you what companies you're going to interview with. How does that make you feel? And my response is always something along the lines of, they, Cameron Brooks has been doing this for 40-something years. They're selective. They only pick people that they have a very high degree of confidence in. Um, and they have a ton of great partners. I mean, I interviewed with 14 different companies, and I think I would have been happy working for any of them. And you can talk to any other Cameron Brooks alumnus, and they're going to tell you the same thing, is you have the opportunity to interview with so many great companies. And because Cameron Brooks takes the opportunity to get to know you as a person, now I was fortunate. I had I was at Fort Hood, which is only about a two-hour drive uh, from the Cameron Brooks headquarters, so I could go down and have some extra meetings. But whether it's over the phone, Skype, uh, email correspondence, the team at Cameron Brooks gets to know you as a person, and they're going to do everything in their power to try to match you with something that they think number one is a good fit for you, your skills, your personality. But another question that I get is about regional preference. Um, their clients are are nationwide, so they're gonna they're gonna have some stretch interviews on there, I would say, but um, they're gonna do everything in their power to get you what you want because when you win, they win. So they're they're not out to try to 
to try to mess up your career plans. They're there to try to facilitate your career plans. And it's very difficult to just kind of let go. Um, and that was one thing that I really struggled with. Um, but now being on the other side of it and even two years down the road, um, it, it's worth it to, to place your trust in them because uh, for me and, and many, many other people, they've definitely earned that trust. What did, what, I guess, because it's been a little while since I've been on the other side, and you alluded to this, what makes it hard to trust the Cameron Brooks process? And how did you kind of continue to trust it? Or what helped you continue to trust it? Uh, the difficulty for me was if for whatever reason going through Cameron Brooks and that process didn't work, uh, I was going to be unemployed and I was going to be uh, the primary breadwinner for a household with no job. Um, so there's there's that fear, at least for me, of not being able to provide for my family if for whatever reason the Cameron Brooks process didn't work for me. Um, and Again, I just kept telling myself they've done it for so long. They've built this development and preparation program that's a lot of work. It's a lot of work for a reason. If I'm willing to hold up my end of the bargain, I have a reasonable high degree of success, or a reasonably high degree of success, um, just like any of their other candidates. I mean, I, what, what's the percentage of placement at a career conference? It's, ni it's in the high 90s. I know that. Yeah, it's um, about 94% or more um, get offers through the program, and those that ultimately accept the position coming through our program are it's roughly about um, roughly about the mid 80s, 84, 85, 86% depending on the depending on the conference. But mid 80s is pretty pretty consistent. And those 94%, the 6% that don't get offers, it's not it's not all 6% just didn't do well. There's some people that just kind of choose not to continue on at a certain point in the process. They probably could have gotten an offer, but they decided against it. So, and um, just with the, with those percentages, again, I, I felt that if I put in the work um, and I gave it my best effort, I mean, I had, I, I had a successful military career. I, I felt that I would be a good candidate for, any number of different industries. So if I was willing to put in the work and prepare myself to go in and, and present my capabilities to companies that I, I felt like I could have success. Great. Good. Any last words of parting advice to our listeners? Grow where you're planted. Um, I think that is something that is difficult for a lot of junior military officers to hear. Uh, I know I, I've had a lot of friends who got a bad assignment right about the time that they were looking to transition and that made their mind up for them, but they didn't necessarily put in their 100% effort. Um, if you do decide to transition, uh, you have to put all of your energy into being the best you can where you are because those those efforts, uh, they're going to show and they're going to pay dividends in the long run because when you transition out, people aren't necessarily going to know your military background. So you're going to have to, uh, I know Chuck uses the phrase chopping wood. Uh, you're going to have to go and chop wood for a while. Um, and having that mindset of, I'm just going to put my head down and, and give my 100% effort every single day, uh, it carries over from the military into whatever you decide to do in business. So um, 
It sounds simple and it sounds cliche, but from what I've seen, it, it applies every single day that I go to work. Such good, good advice. And I appreciate you being on the podcast um, and sharing with you your, your experience and um, talking about the trust in the process and as well as preparation. Um, so if there's anything that we can do for you, let us know. Um, certainly, we wish you the best and as you continue to navigate the Global Leadership Program at Michelin, as well as earning your MBA from really such a great school, too. And, you know, they just do an excellent job over at the University of South Carolina. So, again, thank you. Huge thank you for, for helping us today. Thanks for having me, Joel. I appreciate it. Always good to talk to you. Thanks, Rob. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for a, another episode of the Cameron Brooks Podcast. To learn more, I recommend our website, Cameron-Brooks.com. We have our blog, as well as links to many of the other episodes for podcasts, as well as our book, PCS to Corporate America, that you can find on Amazon. If you'd like to reach out to me directly, it's very easy, joel at Cameron-Brooks.com. Look forward to hearing from you.